resurrection assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. The 4th of July, 2021. The scriptures are Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 35. Isaiah 56, verses 1 through 8. Exclusion and Embrace with Dr. Tito Chino. And share the word with uh, all of you. Now I'm being monitored in some very real way, so that's, that's disturbing. Um, it's a delight to be here. Uh, I am excited about uh, the, the scriptures that uh, I'm going to be able to share with you today. It, when I received the invitation some weeks ago, um, I have been looking forward to this, this day ever since. I need to warn you um, on two fronts. One is that Pastor Joseph mentioned that I, in my day job is as a, as a teacher at Augustana College down the road in the Quad Cities. And so sometimes my lectures will stretch on to 45 minutes or an hour or longer. Um, I'm relatively confident that's not going to happen this morning, but I'm not absolutely sure We'll see what the Spirit does with uh, the work we have before us today. The second warning is that uh, even though I do have a background in preaching, it has been a little bit of time uh, since I have been in the pulpit. The pandemic has, normally I would show up in, in a pulpit every now and then, even though I teach on, on the reg, and, um, but I haven't preached at all during the pandemic, so you are getting me sort of post-pandemic, my first post-pandemic sermon, and uh, so we'll see how any of that goes. All right, as uh, I understand it, you are in the midst of a series this summer uh, that is, I think, taken, I believe, from the Nicene Creed, and it says, and he spoke through the prophets. Pastor Joseph suggested that I was a prophet, and I am unsure of whether or not I will live up to that high calling. But with that in mind, uh, the, the text that I have intended for us to spend some time together sharing in comes out of Isaiah chapter 56. It's Isaiah chapter 56, and I will read that um, for us now. This is, uh, this is Isaiah 56, beginning in verse 1. This is what the Lord says, maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand. And my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps their hands from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my command. These I will bring into my holy mountain, and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Let's pray again. Gracious God, we bow before you today, and we recognize uh, this 
your scriptures as your word to us. May we receive it as such today. Would you speak to us in our time of need? We need to hear from you. And so we're asking that you would, in fact, uh, by your spirit, speak to us individually and collectively. And Father, we do recognize that today is an important day on the calendar for people in this country. And Lord, we are grateful for the ways uh, in which this country has provided certain liberties, certain privileges, including this one that we are engaged in right now, to be able to assemble and gather and worship you and, uh, and honor you. And yet, Father, we also recognize that these liberties and these privileges haven't necessarily been extended to all throughout this country's history, or even today. And that sometimes these liberties and uh, privileges have been used to abuse people. And so Father, we lament and we repent uh, for those things as well. But we are grateful that uh, we have this, this greatest liberty that is found in you and in you alone. Um, Father, our first allegiance is always to you, and so we pray, uh, Lord, that you would find us pleasing in your sight today as we gather and as we wait to hear from you. For we ask it in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, this passage that I just read from Isaiah 56, it is a somewhat strange passage. Um, but what I want to draw your attention to, or what I'm hoping to sort of put on display for you today, is the way in which uh, these words reveal to us the immense, scandalous, in some ways, radical love of the Lord God for his people and for all whom he might include as his people. Or, and, and what I want us to recognize is that the overarching theme uh, of what this passage is trying to help us understand is who is and who isn't uh, open or possible to have relationship with God. And, uh, or, as I've sort of phrased it at one point, you maybe saw the title of the sermon, who is excluded and who is embraced. Now, to understand what is happening in this, it is, again, a rather strange sort of talking about foreigners and eunuchs and whatnot, but to understand what's happening in Isaiah 56, naturally, one ought to know just a bit about the context. And so Isaiah 55 and the chapter just previous, what we find there is a call. It's a call to the people of God to return to the Lord. In fact, it's so good. I should just, I'll just read it uh, again. This is Isaiah 55. Come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. An incredible passage, right? Come, any, all who are thirsty. I'm not sure we can appreciate just how uh, the Israelites, the, the original readers of this text, would have received these words. But to do that, maybe I want to. I want to ask you to do something. I want you to imagine with me for just a moment that you are in jail. Okay, imagine with me that you are in jail. 
Now, I recognize that for some of us, myself included, actually, that it's more a matter of remembering than imagining. But imagine that you are in jail for something that you've, in fact, done. You are guilty of whatever crime it was that you are in jail for. There's no bail. There's no, there's no parole. There's no chance of you being uh, having your case dismissed. And so imagine yourself in that. Are you doing it? I, I don't know if you're imagining yourself in jail or not. Now, how would you feel? How would, how would you be feeling if you found yourself in that situation? Scared? Discouraged? Ashamed? Hopeless? All, all possibilities, maybe a mix of all of those things. And if you can do that, if you can imagine what it would be like to be captive, held against your will in jail, then you're beginning to understand maybe what some of the, the Israelites would have been feeling as they are receiving these words out of Isaiah for the very first time. Uh, chapters 1 through 39 of Isaiah are, are prophecy. Uh, they are warnings before they went into exile. And then chapters 40 and following, what we find ourselves in are uh, words that would have, uh, they would have been considered to, re to reflect on while they were either exiled in Babylon or shortly after they had returned. So, they as a people, I imagine, would have been feeling whatever it was you were feeling or thinking you might be feeling just a few moments ago. Scared, ashamed, des desperate, hopeless, all those things. Thinking, we've blown it. We've absolutely blown it with God. We... Our, our sin built up and built up and built up. It was too great. And we were warned. And now we're, we're sent away. We're away from outside of the promised land. We're, out, we're away from the temple. We are no longer in God's presence. Right? Beyond the reach of God's goodness and his mercy. They would have been thinking to themselves, the life that we knew with God is over. It's not available to us anymore. And then Isaiah 55. Come, any who are thirsty. I wonder how that would have sounded to them. Can you imagine, by the way, being in that situation? No one's ever felt like, I've messed up so bad with God that it's over, right? <laughs> just, just me? I'm the only one? Yeah, no, this is a, a common experience for people to feel distant from God, away from God's presence, feel like I've done too much sin in the world to be worthy of God's love. And to, go, to those of us who find ourselves in that situation, this word is, come all who are thirsty, come feast on me, drink, receive water from me. Basically, what's God saying to his people? What's God saying to his people then? And what's God saying to his people now? He's saying, you are not abandoned. You're not left alone. I haven't forgotten you. If you are parched for the living God, if you realize that you have no resources available to you to earn my love and acceptance, if you realize that, then come. You are most welcome 
to receive from me. Uh, and maybe some of us, maybe for some of us, that's just the word this morning that we need to be reminded of. That God's invitation to us is evergreen, it's always new, it's new every day. And that you and I, just like the people of God throughout history, can experience the love of God in, in an unmistakable sort of way, in a way that is firm and secure. Or maybe, uh, Paul's word to the Romans, to be reminded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor anything present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, that's one word to receive this morning for you. Um, but if we aren't excluded from the love of God, then the question still remains, well, what about others? And the reason I bring it up is that it's been my experience, and it's not just my experience, I see it in the, in the Word of God, that God's people get really confused on this, about who is excluded and who is embraced, right? Some people have a difficult time realizing just how radical the all-embracing love of God actually is. Sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes Israel understood we know we are loved by God. But sometimes they weren't able to extend it any further than that. Um, they weren't able to recognize this long, eternal purpose or plan of God to bless all the nations. This is the promise to Abraham, to bless all the nations, all the peoples, through you, through you. And so the Israelites, they like the part about being blessed, but they forget about the rest of the promise, that all peoples. So here in Isaiah 56, God is reminding the people, is reminding his people of just how far his love extends. And God is directly speaking to this issue of who is included and who is excluded, who's invited into this call to come and be part of the people of God. But... I don't know if you recognized it when I was reading Isaiah 56 just a few moments ago. It isn't just a generic all peoples. Isaiah 55 is an invitation to all. But in Isaiah 56, two specific kinds of people are mentioned. And I wonder if you can remember who they were. In case you can't, I know it was, you know, you might have been a little sleepy or something in gathering here this morning. Let me read just again. This is again from Isaiah 56. Let no foreigners, let no foreigners who have bound themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. Now that seems like a somewhat strange pair of people. Of all the people that Isaiah could have named, foreigners and eunuchs. Now, the reason why these two groups of people, or kinds of people, are singled out is that they would have um, routinely been understood as excluded from the people of God for different reasons. And you might be a little confused about why that might be the case, but uh, the logic works like this. The foreigner, uh, they were missing out on two things, importantly. They didn't have the law, or the Torah, um, and they didn't have the temple which meant the presence of God. So for the Jews, the idea is simple enough. It just adds up 
not a Jew, no law, no temple, equals no life with God. So the foreigner was seen as someone outside the boundaries of the promises of God. The eunuch is a bit more complicated. Uh, this is what I'll put on my sort of teaching professor cap for a second. But part of the way to understand this is the practical outcome of what it means to be a eunuch. By the way, if you don't know what a eunuch is, um, I would recommend you Google it later, okay? Actually, don't, don't Google a eunuch. Um, we're not quite sure what might come back from the search, but um, let, me, let me put it this way. Uh, be, the, the practical outcome of being a eunuch, among other things, but this one's important, is that they were unable to produce offspring. They were unable to produce offspring. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but in the Bible, uh, the descendants are, are sort of a big thing. It's all the begat sections of Scripture. So-and-so begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so. We call these the genealogies. And they're the part in the Bible that sometimes when you're reading it, you just kind of skip over it, right, so you can get to the good stuff, um, which is understandable enough. But you need to understand that for the Jew, those genealogies, they were the good stuff. They were the good stuff. They have a deep interest in progeny because in their worldview, the way in which you know you are blessed is if you are able to extend your influence in the world. And one of the primary ways, if not the primary way, that the Israelites would do this is through their offspring. And so no offspring means no, no legacy. And no legacy means no influence, which means that surely a person who is unable to reproduce is not favored by God, is cut off from God. And in fact, these are why there are prescriptions in the law for eunuchs not to enter the temple. But Isaiah 56 tells us that's not all of the story. That's not the final word. Isaiah 56 says to the eunuchs, I will give a memorial and a name better, better than sons and daughters, a legacy that will endure forever. And foreigners, I will bring to my holy mountain. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. That last bit should sound familiar. It shouldn't be the first time, unless you're very, very new to church. But if you've been hanging around church, you would have heard those last words before. They come from the, off, out of the mouth of our Lord and Savior. He is doing some things in a temple, and he's not happy about the things that are happening inside of the temple, where obstacles are being created for people to come and to be able to receive from the Lord. God is telling his people, in no uncertain terms, in no uncertain terms, listen, there is no one. There is no one beyond the bounds of my love, of being able to experience my favor and my blessing. Even the ones that you would think that it is impossible for. I wonder if anyone has people in our lives, either real people or groups of people, that we think the love of God is not for them. It's not available to them. Uh, or 
that's not generally, we're too theologically sophisticated probably to, to think that. Instead we say, ah, they'll never respond to the love of God. They've put themselves in a situation where they, they won't receive the Lord's kindness and goodness. Now, we, we don't do that, right? Do we? I hope we don't. What Isaiah is telling us is, no, everybody's included. The precise people that you think are excluded are in fact included in the promise, included in the invitation, the foreigner and the eunuch. Now, I realize that we probably don't spend a great deal of time concerning ourselves either with foreigners or eunuchs today. Just as we are sort of cosmopolitan people, seemingly, and open-minded people, those kinds of things, but the point isn't simply to say, well, now the foreigner and the eunuch. The point is simply to say, who are those groups of people that we have a tendency to want to exclude? Who are the people that we look at and think, no, not worthy, not worthy of God's love? And maybe it's people who look different than us. Maybe it still is foreigners and saints. One of the things, actually, that I appreciate about coming and worshiping here is people look different from one another, obviously, right? Foreigners, myself included, are welcome to gather and worship the Lord together. Praise be to God. But we are also tempted, aren't we, to want to exclude someone. The poor, the rich, the Democrat, the Republican, the racist, the undereducated, the homeless. And if media is to be heeded, and that's a giant if, but if media is to be heeded, then oftentimes the foreigner and potentially the eunuch are still problematic for us. When I think about eunuchs, um, I'm not trying to get overly political or anything here, um, but eunuchs in some ways, beyond their inability to reproduce, they are somewhat sexually ambiguous. Their status as a sexual being is called into question. And that seems to be something that is front and center for, well, certainly for our culture these days, but also for the church in some ways. I recognize again uh, that this is not a political message, by the way, even though it's J July 4th and all those things. Um, but, uh, and that these aren't necessarily prescriptions. This is, I don't read this text and say, this is what our country should be doing. Um, the Bible isn't necessarily the Constitution for the United States of America. The Bible is, so to speak, the Constitution for the church. And the politics of the church should be guided and directed by what we find between its pages, I'm much less concerned about the ways in which they are impressed on society around us. Now these, like I said, are not necessarily a, a national constitution. But, what, these texts, what this text is trying to tell us is that the love and the mercy of God genuinely, scandalously, outrageously available to anybody and to everybody, that no one is excluded. You know, we could end there. We probably should, like I said, I sometimes stretch on and on. But this is, I have this one other thought, uh, and it's an important one. This isn't the last time we hear about foreigners and eunuchs together in, in the scriptures. You actually heard about it already this morning. Um, Acts chapter 8, 
Luke, its author, tells us about an encounter that Philip has with a person. Not just any old person, though. Do you remember the two words used to describe the person that, that uh, Philip encountered? They both start with E. Ethiopian? And I don't know if you knew how to spell eunuch or not, but eunuch begins with the letter E. Ethiopian eunuch. Maybe you know the story, or you can remember the story. Philip is walking along one day, and the Spirit of God says, You see that carriage over there? Go, run alongside it. Weird flex, okay? But Philip, listening to the Spirit of God, goes and runs alongside the carriage. And as he's doing so, he's running alongside, and he hears a man reading from Isaiah. Hello? Isaiah. And he strikes up a conversation. And in the midst of the conversation, he's invited into the carriage to talk about what he's been reading, what the Ethiopian eunuch's been reading. Come to find out, he's been reading what we call Isaiah 53. We don't chapter divisions in, in the original Bible. But what we call Isaiah 53, these words, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And I'm going to read from you from, the, from Acts chapter 8. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip, beginning with that very passage of scripture, began with that very scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now, we aren't given any more details necessarily about the, the contents of the conversation that is happening between Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch. By the way, Ethiopian is a foreigner in Jerusalem and Judea. Now, let me ask you this. You're Philip. You're sitting next to a foreigner who's a eunuch. You're reading Isaiah 53. Do you think you're stopping at Isaiah 53? No. I mean, this is purely imagination at this point, but no, if it's me, I'm reading Isaiah 53. I'm reading Isaiah 54. I'm reading Isaiah 55. And you can bet your bottom dollar I am going to read Isaiah 56 to this man and explain to this foreigner who is also a eunuch the promises of God are available to you. You too can be baptized and become part of the people of God. And sure enough, that is in fact what happens uh, in this man's story. Friends, I'm going to close with just asking the question, who in your life has God uniquely positioned you to ride alongside with and to be able to affirm to them in no uncertain terms, to be able to explain to them that the grace of God is for them too? It's also for them. Who in your life needs to be reminded that the, the love of God extends to them and that nothing can separate them from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? And there's a, at least a possibility, a strong possibility, that the person who needs to be reminded of that truth today is you and me and all of us together. May we all know this truth to the core of our being. May we... May we be people who live like we know that we're embraced, 
by the love of Christ and are willing to embrace others with that very same love. Let me close us in a word of prayer. Great God, we are thankful to you for this truth that can never be repeated often enough or loudly enough. But quite simply, we are loved by you, no strings attached. God, may we choose to live in that reality. May we, in fact, be people who live like we know we are loved by the King of Kings. And may we extend that love to others as well. May we do this for your namesake and for your glory. Thank you.